Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. cambridgesavings.com/csb1. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. There's something that Americans spend 60 billion hours a year doing that in many countries people hardly spend any time on at all. An average American family that earns about $55,000 a year spends 30 hours a year doing it. In other places, that family might spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes. So what could this time-consuming thing possibly be? The answer is not what you'd hope. So beach excursions, cookouts, hikes, none of that. It's filing our taxes. And since fixing the tax system is high on Congress's agenda at the moment, you might want to know how changing the system could help you. Of course, keep in mind, Congress has taken a stab at this a couple times before. Over the course of this century, our tax system has been modified dozens of times and in hundreds of ways. Yet most of those changes didn't improve the system. They made it more like Washington itself, complicated, unfair, cluttered with gobbledygook and loopholes designed for those with the power and influence to hire high-priced legal and tax advisors. That was President Ronald Reagan in 1985 explaining why he wanted to reform the tax code. And he did. But that was a while ago. And the system is now in need of another repaired job. T.R. Reid has looked around the world to see what we can learn from other countries and how they pay their taxes. He's the author of the book A Fine Mess, A Global Quest for a Simpler, Fairer, and More Efficient Tax System. T.R., thanks for your time. Hi, Kara. Great to be here. I love Innovation Hub. Oh, thank you very much. Um, So when I read in your book um, that Americans spend... On average, as I said, about 30 hours preparing their taxes. And that's obviously not for people who have super complicated taxes. That was shocking to me. Um, And it was especially sad to juxtapose it with places where people are spending 30 minutes doing their taxes. Why do we spend so much time? And then, like, why do other people get to spend so little time doing their taxes? It's outrageous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Americans spend $10 billion a year on tax preparation, people like H&R Block. We spend Mm -hmm. another $2 billion on tax software, and it still takes hours to fill that thing out. And guess what? As you said, you can walk down the street in London, Tokyo, Paris, Lima. There's no H&R Block because other countries don't need this. They've made paying taxes easy. So how is it possible? Okay, so explain to me how a 30-minute, since we normally spend 30 hours, what is a 30-minute, you know, or 15-minute um, getting your taxes prepared? Look, How do you possibly get together all the forms for, like, the money that you've made and the, the mortgage and how many kids you have? And, like, how do you get that all together in just 15 or 30 minutes? In other countries, you don't do that because the government does it for you. You Kara, I was in Amsterdam last March 31st. April 1st is tax day in the Netherlands. I was with this mid-level manager. He makes about $200,000 a year, two kids in private schools, two homes Mm -hmm. with mortgages. This guy would have to fill out seven forms in the United States, some of them six Mm -hmm. pages long. And I said, hey, Michael, your taxes are due tomorrow. What, what are you going to do? And he said, yeah, yeah, thanks for reminding me. He sets aside 15 minutes a year to pay his federal and oh state gosh. taxes. 
And here's what he does. He pops a beer, he goes online, and the government <laughs> knows all the numbers and has filled out the form for him. And he says to me, if the numbers look right, I click OK and I'm done in five minutes. But then he says, he says, you know, I think I'm what you Yanks might call a Republican. He says, I don't trust government to get things right. So, you know, sometimes I check the numbers. He says, you know, now he's getting really mad. He says, you know, you start checking the numbers. It can take almost half an hour just to pay your taxes. How can they do that? So in many countries, the government fills out the form for you. In Japan, you got a postcard. It says, we think you earned this much. We withheld this much. We'll put the refund in your bank account on April 1st. You're done. Does the U.S. government know that stuff about – I mean, it seems like the government knows a lot. I assume the government knows, like, how many kids we have, I guess, how much money I mean, we make. I mean, our, our employer, I assume, tells them. So does our government have all the makings to do that kind of tax return for us? Yes. Yes, the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, could do this for about 75 or 80 percent of American families. They know all the numbers. I don't know. Okay. I bet some people listening have gotten this letter from the IRS. It's called a CP2000 form. They send out millions of them every year, and it's not an audit. It's a correction. So you, get, you file your taxes, and you get a CP2000, and that's the one that says, on line 48Q, you entered $4,314, and it should have been 4724 And I'm thinking, so they know. well, if they, they know. knew that already, why did I spend hours <laughs> right, putting the right. right number on the wrong line? You know, they could do this. And guess what, Kara? This is introduced in Congress all the time. It's called pre-filled forms. Okay. And there are several members from both parties who advocate for the government to do this for us. And guess what? H&R Block lobbies against it. Intuit, the maker of TurboTax, they lobby against this. But doesn't it feel to you like we are in a moment right now that of populism, right? People have talked about that on the right, on the left, that we're in this sort of that the politics are different in part because there's this real populism. Call it the Tea Party, call it Occupy, call it Bernie Sanders, call it Donald Trump, whatever. Is this a moment where we can say, you know, I don't really care that tax software companies are lobbying for something else. This would be good for a lot of people. And we're in a moment of populism. Forget it. We're just going to make taxes way easier and free people's time up for work or play or whatever. I think this is the time. Here, here's what's happened in America. We started the, the federal income tax in 1913, and it was incredibly popular then. This is the tax we all hate now, right? It, when it started, it was only paid by the Morgans and the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts. Huh. So everybody else really liked it. And, uh, and then, you know, lobbyists came in and started adding exemptions and giveaways and credits. And it got very complicated. So in 1922, Congress wrote a pretty straightforward tax code. By 1954, it was so loaded with exemptions and credits that President Eisenhower demanded that Congress start over. That's the Internal Revenue Code of 1954. You just played Ronald Reagan complaining right. about how complex right. the tax code was. That led to the Tax Reform Act of 1986. All economists agree that was the best one ever. They got rid of all sorts of exemptions and lowered the rates, brought in more money with much lower mm -hmm. rates. So if you look at that 22 to 54 to 86, every 32 years, the thing is such a monster, you have to throw it out and start over. Well, guess what, Kara? The 32 <laughs> years is up in 2018, so the time mm. has come. And as mm. a matter of fact, in Congress, there's nobody in either party who would defend the current tax code. I think there's a lot of desire there 
to uh, to get things fixed. And, and does is that going to mean? doing things that initially may seem unpalatable, getting rid of mortgage deductions or getting rid of tax credits per child, right? I mean, are we going to have to do some things that individual people are going to grumble about, but in the end are going to be good? I think so. I think the answer to that is yes. The way to get things simpler and get the rates down is get rid of all these giveaways and exemptions. Currently in our tax code, you get a tax break for taking a night school course paying your property tax, growing sugarcane, moving to a new city for a job, <laughs> replanting a forest, destroying old farm equipment, commuting to work by bicycle, but only for a bike that is regularly used for a substantial portion of travel. You get a tax break of $7,500 if you buy a $138,000 hybrid BMW sports car. So a lot of them are ridiculous. <laughs> That's going to be my next car. <laughs> exactly. And the, gov- the U.S. government will help you out when you buy that German hybrid car. So uh, a lot of them are ridiculous. And I think we had to, if we got rid of all of them, then we could get the rates way down. The form would be much simpler. We could bring in the same tax with much lower rates. And when rates are lower then it's not in your interest to hire a lawyer or an accountant to figure out a way to get out of it. Just pay the taxes simpler and cheaper. So this is what we could do. This is pretty much what they did in 1986. In 1986, when they started, the top marginal tax rate was 70%. They reduced it to 28%. The top rate was 28%, Hmm. and they brought in more revenue because they got rid of so many loopholes and exemptions. And then, of course, the lobbyists came in one by one, and it stuck them back in the code. When you have all those giveaways in the tax code, then you got to raise the rates to raise the money. Currently, the top is 43%. We should do this again. We should get rid of all of them, including the popular ones. The mortgage interest deduction doesn't serve its purpose. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking with T.R. Reid, author of the book, A Fine Mess, A Global Quest for a Simpler, Fairer, and More Efficient Tax System. What was your favorite tax system that you looked at as you, you know, sort of looked around the world here at these different systems? One of the things I really liked, I only saw it in one country in Slovakia, they had to raise their taxes after the global recession in 2009. They had to raise taxes. It was unpopular. So to sell this, the parliament passed a law that members of parliament and members of the cabinet have to pay 5% more than anybody else at their income level. So do you <laughs> like that one? I can see why one? that would be popular. Yeah, yeah I, I and the contrast is that. our Congress has given members of Congress all sorts of special breaks that nobody else gets. Hmm. But I, I really like that one. And so in Slovakia, when they raise taxes... They're hurting themselves more than anybody else. So I I thought that was a good rule. Unfortunately, Kara, I only saw it in one country. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we won't hold our breath for it uh, here. Um, Was there a tax idea that seemed smart somewhere around the world, but just totally was a disaster? Like, it seemed like a great idea and it just didn't work out. Yeah, there's several like that. You know, the Steve Forbes flat tax where everybody pays 18%. Sure. Everybody pays some tax. And six of the Republicans running last year uh, supported that plan. Well, it turns out 12 countries that had just gotten out of the Soviet Union when the wall, the Berlin Wall fell. They, they tried it, and it works for a few years in those circumstances. If you're a So this is like everybody, you choose your amount, and it's like everybody pays 18% or everybody 18, pays 20% or whatever. 21% in Estonia, 15% in Hungary. 
right. in a country where everybody is equally poor, everybody makes about the same amount of money, there's no investment capital, labor rates are way low, uh, it really worked. When they did these, these flat taxes, investors in Germany and Scandinavia poured in and invested in their economies. And for eight or nine years, th these systems really worked. And then when they hit the Great Recession in 2008, it turned out they just couldn't bring in enough money. The problem with the flat taxes, you can't set it high enough to bring in the revenue you need, but low enough for average working families to pay. And, and so it just doesn't bring in enough money. And, and most countries that tried the flat tax have given up on it. A few hmm. make up for it with other taxes. So Hungary has kept its 15% flat income tax rate. But guess what? To offset it, they have the highest sales tax in the world, 27% hmm. on everything wow. you buy. Wow. That's the cost of a flat tax. So I don't think that hmm. one worked. Um, right. Liberals really like the carbon tax. You know, you tax carbon emissions, yeah. you fight global yes. warming and bring in revenue at I've the same time. I've heard many economists on both the right and the left say they think a carbon tax is a good idea. Yeah, and it turns out politically to be hard to do. Uh, Australia passed the world model carbon tax. It lasted two years. Everybody hated it. The government that put it into effect lost the next election and the, the huh. other party took it away. And the reason was it raised everybody's electric bill. Uh, it, it basically was a tax on electric power. And the power companies very thoughtfully in Australia put a little notice on the bill saying, sorry, yeah. your bill went up. It's because <laughs> of that rotten tax we have to pay now. And right, so right, it lasted two right. years. So carbon tax, great idea on paper. Nobody seems to like it in concrete. One of the big arguments in the country has been, um, do rich people pay their fair share of taxes? So if you look, the top 3% of Americans pay more than half of the taxes. It seems like a lot. I wonder, is it? Because you've got people who say, you know, wow, rich people pay way more than they should in taxes. And other people who say rich people don't pay nearly what they should in taxes. So what do you think? I think the important question to ask is not how much they paid in tax, but how much they had left after they paid. And by that measure, uh, many rich people are really making out big time in, a, in, a, in the American tax code because they have clout in Congress. For example, you remember Mitt Romney ran for president in 2012 yes. and was required mm -hmm. to release one of his tax returns. Mitt and Ann Romney made $21.6 million a year. That's 500 times a median income in the United States. And they pay tax at a rate of 13.6%. That's less than a family of four at 70000 And it wasn't illegal. That's the scandal. It was legal right. because the richest Americans do get all sorts of breaks that other people don't get. Hmm. Um, you know, Americans, this may be in our own heads, but um, I think think that we dislike taxes more than a lot of other um Countries, obviously, we've got a creation story uh, uh, tied yes. to taxes. Do you think Americans do hate paying taxes more than other countries? Like, do we have a different attitude about this than other countries? Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, you know, relative to other rich countries, we pay less. The World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, they measure total tax burden. They take all the taxes in the country as a percentage of GDP. That's called total tax burden on that measure. America is way low. We rate 33rd of the 35 richest countries. We pay less income wow. tax, hmm. less Social Security tax, less gas tax, liquor tax, tobacco tax, sales tax. 
Um, but we complain more. And I think that's, that's partly because Americans just don't like government that much. In other mm -hmm. rich democracies, people see government as kind of an aid, a helper, a neighbor. Right, right. And we've right. always resented government. And then I think another thing is what we were talking about earlier, Kara. We've just made it so hard to pay. Uh, yeah. In fact, the IRS. It's painful. It, it's painful to take the money out of your wallet. And, well, and that's time painful. Consuming. But I mean, just filling out the form. Why should it yeah, be difficult right. to fill? I mean, I'm going to give you my money anyway. At least make it easy. And, right. um, you know, in a, the IRS advises its employees not to tell people where they work. Whereas in other countries, the IRS, the Revenue Service, they have blazers with a patch. They have baseball caps, T-shirts. Mm -hmm. They have mascots. <laughs> they have marching bands, songs. I mean, they're proud. They're proud. What? In what? Chile, um, the IRS in Chile <laughs> has, has a mascot. He's a little furry chinchilla. His name is Evo. And Evo goes around to schools and malls and parks and sings a song about how great taxes are. Son bacanes los impuestos. These taxes, they're awesome. They build schools. They build roads. So is the solution in your mind the fact that, you know, obviously we, we pay less, but we complain more? Does that go back then to the, you know, uh, Mitt Romney conversation we were having about basically at the end of the day, the like very rich people have got to pay more money? Yeah, I think the the perceived unfairness of it, the fact that Mitt Romney paid a lower rate of tax than I did, uh, making 200 times as much, of course that makes you hate the system. Uh, right. You shouldn't hate taxes. Taxes pay for stuff that we all want. You know, I was just debating in Washington one of these anti-tax advocates, and I said to him, did you build your own road from home to the studio? No, he came mm -hmm. down the government street. He just doesn't want to have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't have to pay taxes, but you can hate our rotten system that makes it so difficult to pay. And one of the reasons it's more popular, or at least more accepted, nobody likes paying taxes, but at least they accept in other countries, is because they just don't put the burden on people. We could do this. As I said, the government could fill out your tax form for you. It would take 15 minutes to file. April 15th would be just another sunny spring day. <laughs> T.R. Reid is author of the book, A Fine Mess, A Global Quest for a Simpler, Fairer, and More Efficient Tax System. T.R., thank you very much. Great to be on your air. Thank you. By the way, Reed told me he has been invited to talk to folks in the House of Representatives who help write our tax policy. So we will see what comes of that. If you missed part of this conversation and you want to hear the whole thing, or if you want to subscribe to our podcast so you get new episodes of the show every week, you can find Innovation Hub on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Mimecast. Nearly 30,000 companies worldwide use Mimecast to help prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, phishing, and impersonation attacks. Mimecast, committed to making email safer for business. Mimecast.com.